You're listening to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. Welcome to the Christian Single Moms Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Donnelly, founder of Agape Moms, and I'm glad to have you with me today. Here on the podcast, we emphasize discovering you on the journey through. And what that means to me is I believe that every single mom can discover a life of peace, of power, and of purpose. And I believe that she can do it right through the things that God is carrying her through in her season as a single mom. Today, we're going to be talking about that tension that exists between accepting your past and accepting the brokenness of your circumstances, but then taking steps to move forward into the future. You know, we all have brokenness, and I know that it's easy to recognize that part. The difficult part comes in knowing just how to grieve it and how long to grieve it, and then making the choices to move forward. My guest today is Tracy Miles, and Tracy wrote a book called Living Unbroken, Reclaiming Your Life and Your Heart After Divorce. And Tracy helps us to understand that grieving process. She helps us to understand things like PTSD and emotional trauma and where it is good for us to have the ability to sit in those things for just a little while, but then also how that can catapult us into moving forward without this feeling like we're betraying ourselves or that we've given up, that we really can take conscious steps to embrace a new life going forward. The divorce process is a funny thing because it's not something that once you hit like a magical date that all of a sudden you're not dealing with it anymore. It's something that as a single mom, you're constantly confronted with this status, I guess. And God has shown me, though, where even in my own journey, there are times where I feel like, yeah, yeah, I'm getting it, I'm getting it. And then other times where I feel like, oh, man, I'm back underneath it again. And a lot of times what that looks like is doing things out of hurt places rather than out of healed places. And what that shows up for me in my life is as places where I have fear a lot or anxiety, places where I'm uncomfortable in my own skin, places where I have anger. And that these are not things that I just wrap a tidy bow on and that I don't have to deal with it anymore, that they come back around in new layers and at new depths so that I can gain a deeper level of healing. But that then when that healing comes, I have to now make choices in my mind and in my heart to act out of that healing and not go back to the place of hurt. It's really easy for me to access that place of hurt, but working from that place of healing takes some practice, and Tracy's going to help us with that today. Those hurt places and those old mindsets that we might have are very comfortable and familiar, but they're not always the most helpful. And very often that can contribute to patterns of thinking and behaving that can lead us into long-term experiences with chronic loneliness. At agapemoms.com forward slash quiz, I've created a quiz called What's Your Loneliness Type? And that quiz that takes just a couple of minutes will help you to understand maybe what some of those limiting beliefs are. And then it'll give you some suggestions about what you might be able to do to change those things. If you'd like to start on that quiz, you can go to agapemoms.com forward slash quiz. 
I'd like to give you some background on Tracy Miles. Tracy Miles is a speaker, author, and the director of Compel Training with Proverbs 31 Ministries. She's written four best-selling books and contributes to numerous devotionals that reach millions of Christian women around the world. Tracy has three children and lives in Charlotte, North Carolina. In my conversation with Tracy, I was able to gain just such a better sense of the compassion that God has for us in the circumstances that we find ourselves in, but that he also has so much power for us in making the steps to move forward. And I just pray that you will be encouraged by this conversation. Here is my conversation with Tracy Miles. Tracy, I am so thrilled to have you on the podcast today. Divorce is something that is tough to process. And you have written a wonderful book about how to do that. But before we launch in, I would like if you would just tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of where you're at in your journey right now. Okay, sure. I am, well, I've been separated now for five and a half years from my husband, divorced for several years at this point. And I live in Charlotte, North Carolina. I have three grown kids that I love and we're all super close. And I've been working with Proverbs 31 for over 15 years now. And so I'm still doing that and still writing and uh, work for them full time on staff as the director of Compel Training, which is a writer's training membership site. And that, that takes up a lot of my time. So a lot of my time is spent writing and just focusing on, on that aspect of my life. Yeah. Well, and I wonder, I mean, if, if we can just kind of dive right in, <laughs> um, if we could just start off with some of the, the parts of your journey as it relates to grief, because those are sometimes the parts that we want to kind of skip right over and yeah. kind of want to do a lot of things to distract, our, distract ourselves or kind of maybe even want to jump into this new season. But if we don't honor it just the right way, we might be missing something, we might be shortchanging ourselves. So I want to know if you would start us off as we, we don't launch into this conversation talking about how you allowed yourself to grieve and what the benefits of doing that were as it mm -hmm. related to your healing process. Right. I don't know if allowed myself is the proper term because <laughs> it, it just kind of happens. You've, yeah. You fall into this pit and you get stuck there. And mm -hmm. you, you don't even realize really what's happening. So when my husband abruptly left, because I uncovered a lot of information about infidelity and basically a second life that was mm -hmm. going on, just a huge amount of problems and behaviors and addictions and things that I sort of had suspicions about for quite a while, but mm -hmm. finally had concrete proof. And so... Yeah. My entire life just changed that day. It, from that point forward, never the same again. And I went into this huge, huge sadness, of course, and devastation because it's kind of like getting hit by a freight train. Yeah. <laughs> and everything just changes and you're just hurting so much. And so for many, many, many months, I was just in such confusion. Confusion. Like, do you, I wanted to reconcile. I didn't want to have a broken family, a broken marriage. And, Despite everything that I knew and everything that had happened, I still held on to this hope that, well, maybe 
God could fix this, or maybe it would be best if we, you know, so you try to, there's, that's one of the stages of bargaining. If, I mean, a uh, grief is bargaining. Like yeah. maybe, maybe if I did this, or maybe, maybe if God did this, or maybe if I made this change or he made this change. And one of the things I've learned in hindsight, and as I was writing my new book is that there is the five stages of grief. And I went through every single one of them more than once mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's not a progressive stage. So yeah. many, many months I spent just crying, couldn't get out of bed, didn't want to put my feet on the floor in the morning, couldn't go out to anything without just starting crying. Anything would trigger me into a meltdown. I could be crying one minute, having a meltdown the next minute. Yes. <laughs> Very unpredictable. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just, it's such a difficult, a difficult season, but it's so important to realize that it's okay not to be okay. Because so many people don't realize that it really is a death of something that you're dealing with, the death mm-hmm. of your, not just your marriage, but the life that you knew, some of the friends that you had, your in-laws, an intact family, just your financial stability, the future you thought you were going to have. It's the death of so many things. And so grieving is part of that process. And we have to, we do have to allow ourselves to go through that. And it might take a year. It might take three years. It might take 10. You know, everybody's in different situations, depending on how badly they were hurt or how, what the circumstances were and were all made uniquely. So it's hard to pinpoint what's right and what's wrong and how long it's going to take someone or what stage you're going to go through first or last. But it's definitely something that we don't need to skip over because it's, it's something that God has to take us through in order to help us heal. I love that you said too, that it's something you went through over and over and over again. Cause I think mm-hmm. that's the thing that can be frustrating is you feel like, Oh, but I made it through this stage. Yeah. <laughs> it's that the healing process is not linear. It is not right. a straight line. And it often is that you'll, you'll uncover one layer and you think you've got it. And then the Lord pulls you down into a, something, a deeper level so that you can mm-hmm. address these things. But if we allow ourselves to do that, instead of rushing through that the healing can be complete, that we can mm-hmm. go through and really come out the other side, a changed woman, but we have to give ourselves to that. And I, I, I'm so thankful that you said, you know, you were crying and you know, that it was yeah. one day you might just like totally melt down. Cause I think we judge ourselves for having to go through that. Mm-hmm. And I even find myself, you know, now several years down the path, having a triggered moment and going, oh, I thought I was done with this. I thought it was moved into this new season, this new me. And mm-hmm. it's so great to be given that grace over and over. It just, it's mm-hmm. a, I feel like it's a reminder you know, that we have to constantly have at the forefront. When it comes to, you know, some of the coping with disappointment, I've gone down a path where I coped in ways that were not healthy. And you mentioned in your book that you had some experiences similarly. Mm-hmm. And I want to know though, um, when it comes to coping, you know, what that period of time looked like for you, but then how you were able to reframe your approach to disappointment and your understanding of disappointment to then mm-hmm. kind of move past that and start making choices for your future. Right. Well, it's really hard when you've been married because my husband and I dated all through college for four years and then we got married and we're married for 25 years. So then when you're suddenly single, it's like, okay, what is, what is this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you've really never been single since you were in high school. So it's very confusing. And for the first couple years, I guess I didn't want anything to do with anyone. Cause I just was so, so trying to figure out my life. And there were so many difficult financial circumstances mm-hmm. of things that had taken place that put us into very, very 
uh, terrifying financial situations that you know found out later and was trying to figure figure out through all of those. So there was just too many things to keep me occupied, unfortunately, to be able to focus on anything else. But then the time came where I kind of started feeling a little bit better and I was ready to get out and be social and you know maybe thinking maybe you want to date and go out with your friends and you know, you don't always make the best choices because Mm -hmm. you've got this newfound freedom and you want to feel like yourself again, but you don't really know who yourself is. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I actually, one of the things that I think was very refreshing for me and also for all the ladies that were in my focus group, I had a focus group that walked right alongside me as I wrote every single chapter of this book. And I gleaned so much information from them because they shared so vulnerably, vulnerably. And so I said, you know, what? what did you do that maybe after you got divorced, you kind of maybe wish you didn't. So yeah. We all have all those stories. And I was just <laughs> really blown away at their, their transparency, mm-hmm. but it opened up such honest communication between this sweet group of ladies to realize that everyone makes mistakes, big, small, you know, you just, just trying to get through and figure things out. And mm-hmm. the biggest thing is, is just not to beat yourself up and, really just to pray about what direction God wants you to go. If you make a mistake, chalk it up to having made a mistake, (laughs) learn from it, move on and just don't completely walk away from your faith. You know, Mm -hmm. we're all going to stray, whether we're 18 or 68, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. We're going to stray sometimes and maybe not make the best choices when we're not in the best frame of mind. So dealing with disappointment is hard. And everybody deals with it in different ways. And, you know, sometimes people turn to addictions or other things, and we just really need to be careful about what we're turning to, to help us cope. Our faith is always, always going to be number one. That sounds cliche, Mm -hmm. but it's really not because it's really where, where we're going to stay grounded and just having, you know, believers that are friends that will support you and encourage you and kind of keep you on a, a straight path. That's always important to surround yourself with. I really appreciate it in your book too. You talked about the fact that it was hard for you to embrace your faith during that season and it looked different. And I know I went through the same thing. I've heard other women say, I, you know, the same mm-hmm. thing that couldn't pick up their Bible. You know, it was hard to get up and go to church because they just felt all the eyeballs on them and that kind of thing. And I think that allowing it to look different is so helpful because the energy that we had to do some of those disciplines may be gone. And Mm -hmm. we may even be kind of confused to the point where we're like, did you let this happen to me? Like for a good reason, or like, I'm having a hard time believing that this is okay right now with you, you know, that you're okay with me. And for me, the, the journey was so much of having to learn how to receive from God. And I felt like a lot of the time before my disciplines were to give to God, it was like, oh, I'm giving you my time. I'm giving you my adoration. I'm giving you my devotion. And this was the, the these were times where it was like, I'm just going to lay in my closet for two hours and cry listening to worship music. And yes, that's been there, done that. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, that's what faith looks like to me right now, because yes. I don't have it, you know? And I think, but you're right, you know, if we're not careful about guarding that relationship, even if it looks different with the Lord, that it's easy for us to maybe dabble in some unhealthy relationships or Mm -hmm. start drinking or shop a lot or whatever the thing would be Mm -hmm. that, you know, kind of would tempt us to pull further away than we really want to be. That's one of the things that I talk about in the book because I had been, you know, we think we're doing all the right things. So God's going to bless us and he's going to answer our prayers. Mm -hmm. But 
you know, God's not a, you know, a gum machine where he's just going to shoot, shoot out wishes every, or gumballs every time we put a quarter in. Right. But I had been serving in ministry for 20 years or however long I I served as a women's ministry director at my church for six years. And I had been serving with Proverbs 31 for over 10 years and writing and going around speaking. And so I'm like, God, I've done all these things and I'm not perfect by any means, not a perfect life, not a perfect person, but I've been serving. I've kind of dedicated my life to this Mm -hmm. and I've been praying for my marriage and my family and the worst has happened. Literally. I can't think of anything that has happened, not only the divorce, but all of the things that were coming out and just the hurt and the pain that was coming from the revelations that I was now being exposed to Mm -hmm. of what had been going on. And I was kind of angry at God, not only angry at my spouse, but angry at God about Mm -hmm. why he would let that happen. And so it really took a lot of prayer and a lot of just dealing with my own emotions and my own thoughts and just, just a journey with your yeah. faith walk. But so it's important to know that God's not going to leave you even when you're mad at him Yeah, yeah <laughs> and yeah. he's still there and you can still go back and just, you know, it's, it's still going to be good. That's really good. And I think too, community is big for that because when you've had people that have walked that road before you mm-hmm. or similar, but a different kind of road before you, they can remind you of God's faithfulness that he's been faithful. He will be faithful, but then right. you can kind of see it in their example too. So it's not such a stretch to have to believe that it could get better, but mm-hmm. it's not the end. Right. <laughs> and that, that could, but when you're in the pit, I mean, it's like all I see is the walls of the pit. Yes. Yeah. And you need those people who are standing above the pit going, like sticking their hands down to, you know, kind of lift you out of that. But we want to isolate so badly, you know? Mm-hmm. So talk to me a little bit about your understanding of PTSD in this process for you, because that is something that as I became more aware myself of just, what that looks like, what that feels like. It also allowed me to be kinder to myself to realize like, what is it to be triggered? And what does it do to me physiologically, neurologically? Mm-hmm. And then how can I just ease into taking care of myself rather than escaping or just getting sucked into the emotions? Yeah. Well, it wasn't until I started writing you know, several of the books that I've written in the last five years, which was part of what God has used to help my heart really heal and help Mm -hmm. me to stay grounded in my faith because I had these book contracts. And so regardless of what was happening in my life, I had to write these books, Mm -hmm. but it it was the best thing God could have done for me because he, my divorce was not a shock to him. This abrupt separation was not a shock to him, nor the fact that I got the book contracts right before all that happened. So it just, it wasn't a great series of events for me, but it, it was perfect that I had something to occupy me and help me stay focused on something when I probably wouldn't have otherwise. But, um, but the PTSD is something that I started researching, which I would have never, ever attributed to myself because I think about that as veterans, maybe someone who's gone through some traumatic abuse or rape or something. You know, you think about PTSD being something like that. Right. But as I, the more I studied it, it's just a traumatic event that has affected you so emotionally and so deeply that it impacts who you are as a person and how you feel. And I realized that even a red spoon in the kitchen could send me into a tailspin of tears because I remember the memory of where we got that red spoon when we went Mm -hmm. on a vacation and we went to this little kitchen shop and we were having this great family thing. And so the tiniest little things 
you know, the wedding book that's upstairs in the attic or just, just the smallest things in the house or a smell that I would smell at a restaurant that, you know, used to be somewhere we used to go. So anything could actually send me over the edge. Yeah. Um, just anything. So it could be a small thing. It could be a big thing, something that might go on with the kids. And then I'm like, well, I'm having to deal with this by myself. And then that's a trigger. So there's so many things that you don't realize is really post-traumatic stress from what you went through. But what I loved that I learned is when I found out about the post-traumatic growth, because I'd never heard of that before. (laughs) That was Mm -hmm. like a light bulb moment for me because who thinks they're going to grow from PTSD? How can I grow from being hurt and devastated and betrayed and all of that? But we actually can. And it's basically considered a benefits season. Like where you begin looking for the benefits, where did I grow out of that? What did I learn out of that? How have I become a better person? I talk about PTSD, but not like try to diagnose yourself or maybe go to see a counselor to see if you have it, which is important because Mm -hmm. you do want to know if that's something you're struggling with, because then you can address it and be aware of it. But also it's important to know that you can grow from it and you can move past it and you can actually use it as something to help you move forward. Yeah. That concept of post-traumatic growth is incredible Mm -hmm. because I think we stop short. We stop at the trauma part. We stop at the looking backwards, but there's a resiliency that we can get to when we kind of accept ourselves and accept where we're at and allow ourselves to kind of be in that muck for a minute. Mm -hmm. What were some of the things that you did that helped you to embrace where you were at so that you could get to that growth point? Well, I think one of the things I mentioned, the writing of the books <laughs> and yeah. when I, when I had the two book contract right before my husband left, I really didn't have a topic necessarily for these books. It just evolved out of God's intervention. But the, the first one that I wrote is called Unsinkable Faith, God-Filled Strategies for Transforming the Way You Think, Feel, and Live. So it's all about positive thinking. So I'm sitting here writing this book about positive thinking and I'm thinking, what are you thinking, God? (laughs) Because there is nothing positive about my life right now. I am the most pessimistic, negative, upset, Mm. hurt. I don't like anything that's happening and there's no way I can think positive. But the more I read about positive thinking, the more I tried to practice it in my everyday life so I could walk out what I was writing, the more I studied about it in scripture, the more I realized that um, the more scientific studies that I read about brains and MRIs and just all the studies that have been done about capturing your thoughts and reframing them and how optimism literally changes your physiological brain. Like when you do an MRI from, you Mm -hmm. know, one season of life to another, it's just amazing. And that really helped me see that I'm in charge of my thoughts. I'm not in charge of everything that happens around me. I'm not in charge of what a spouse does or anyone else does, but I'm in charge of how I think and how I think is going to determine how I feel. And that's going to determine how I live. So that really kind of set me on a path. And it's such a simple thing to say, I'm going to start every time I start thinking something negative, terrible, gloom and doom, life is over. I'm no one I'm unworthy. Uh, You know, all those Mm -hmm. terrible things that we sit around and tell ourselves every day. I just had to start stopping myself and say, that's not true. That's not what God's word says about you, number one, but it's also not true. So think about something that's more true or try to reframe that and to be something more positive. And then just try not to think that anymore. And it, it just became a process of intentionally trying 
not to think negative. And then it just became more natural. And it's a, it's a game changer. Mm-hmm. Just the simple aspect of trying to reframe how you think those patterns of thinking every single day. And that kind of opens up your mind to want to do new things and get out and try new hobbies and meet people and be social again. And, yeah. and you're not so afraid of what other people are thinking about and, you know, worried about their opinions. It's, it's really just catapults you into a whole different level. I'm always amazed at how much of this battle goes on in our heads and that mm-hmm. if we can take our thoughts captive, I, I always think it's interesting when, you know, science proves what's in the Bible. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, of course, yeah. <laughs> uh, but if we have the ability, sometimes for me, it's even just like, God, I need a verse that I can just repeat over and over and over that if I can't get my mind to shut down, that you can just fill it with something else. And really that's a lot of where I struggle is in my head to just, it's like, you want to say, don't think it, don't think it. And really it's like, you got to replace it with something else. Mm-hmm. And sometimes even just like lyrics from worship music that I can just sing it over and over. Like I have to have something to just break the rhythm in my brain. Right. <laughs> it's so busy in there, <laughs> but yeah. it, it's just trying something new. And I think the thing that I came to was there would be some times where something would really work and then it would catapult me to the next level, but then I would have another battle and I would, what I tried to use before didn't work and I would get really frustrated. But I realized again, as we talked about where God's taking you to the next level of your healing, the reason it doesn't work anymore is because that was for the last season. Now you're in the next season. And so he's got a different thing for you to uncover, maybe a different way to attack it, but he will always give it to you. And so it's just that trust in him. Mm-hmm. And I think that that really takes the growth to the next level because in the midst of all this, he's showing that he is providing what you need and that you can trust him. Yeah. And it makes it so much easier to say, yeah. okay, okay, this really is for my good. Okay. Like I'm seeing how I'm blossoming. And then as you said, okay, now I want to go out and be social and try these new things and go salsa dancing or right. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. Yeah, And I think that having a little bit of that personal renaissance is one of the benefits that comes out of this type of situation, but we have to take a little time to get mm-hmm. there. And yep. it's hard. <laughs> I'd like to take a short break from our conversation to mention our sponsor, Faithful Counseling. Faithful Counseling is Christian counseling that is available on the go. And it works through an app where you are able to schedule video sessions or just chat with your counselor throughout the course of the week. And I found that having the combination of Christian teaching and counseling together was so encouraging and so healing for me. If you have been considering Christian counseling and you would like to give Faithful Counseling a try, you can get 10% off of your first month by going to getfaithful.com forward slash single mom. Now, I don't know if this is something you're going to ask me later, but one of the things that I share about in Living Unbroken is just the fear that I had. And I, I know that so many women that get separated or divorced, that's, that's one of the biggest, biggest obstacles is fear. What am I going to mm-hmm. do? How am I going to pay for it? How am I going to yeah. you know, provide for my kids? And then if you do have very unusual extenuating circumstances or your spouse has done things that are, you know, causing very dire circumstances on you financially that you didn't have any control over, but now you're kind of suffering the consequences of them. Yeah. And just the fears are 
out of control. And that's, that's another thing that was, I realized over time was really just keeping me just bound to sadness and not being able to move forward. And so I share a story in the book about one day I'm like, Lord, why can't I, why can't I just break free from this? Not only crying all the time, but just feeling like I'm so stressed out. I can't breathe. And I just, I want to get to a different place. I'm so tired of being sick and tired and sad. Mm -hmm. Yeah. that's keeping me in this, you know, this constant state of panic. And he just really spoke to my heart and told me that it was fear. And I began writing down my fears on my computer and I wrote down 33 fears in a matter of seconds. And I was just astonished at my own, at, at the reality that I had written that many down and I could have kept going, mm-hmm. but um, I stopped right then. <laughs> um, so it was amazing. So I really just had to surrender all those spheres, but that too goes back to my frame of thinking is every time something came up, I could put myself into a panic about it. How am I going to deal with that? What am I going to, how am I going to solve that problem? Is God going to provide for that? Or I could say, God's going to provide for that. I'm not going to worry about that. And he did. He has provided in ways that I can't even, I could write an entire book Mm. solely on the amount of ways that God has provided. And so if there's, I've learned so many lessons over the past five years, but if there's one thing I've learned is that when scripture says God will provide for our needs, it is, it is no joke. I have a habit when now when I'm studying to double underline when I see something that's a promise, like I will do da 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 da, you know, mm-hmm. and it's incredible to me because prior to this season of my life, I was a very proactive, overscheduled to the max, had every detail planned out, and I'm the total opposite now, and it's actually been where because I'm overwhelmed and I can't plan every detail like I used to, God has shown me, see, now you have to rely on me. And now yeah. you have to see, I'm going to show you I'm, I'm here. And how many times things just come through or the plan works out or something fell off my plate or whatever it was that it's helping me to prioritize the things that really are important. Mm-hmm. And in the things that I don't have the ability to schedule and plan out every last little thing that he's stepping right into that gap. And it makes it, it's just to me so beautiful how he takes even just everyday little things and shows himself faithful over and over and over. So that when something big comes up, like what is the right counseling department for my child? You know, where, what's the right treatment for this type of situation that even in delays now I can go, okay, if this didn't work out, there's a reason for it Mm -hmm. because God's got me. Yeah. I don't think I would have been able to do that before. Yeah. So it's, but you're right. You know, it's, it's being able to say that promise it's in the Bible. That wasn't just for David, or that wasn't just for Jacob or whomever, like these things are for me too. Mm-hmm. And I can grab onto that truth and walk in it, knowing that if I don't get it, it's because it's not for me. It's not what not what's right for me or not for right now. And the things that I need, he's going to show me the avenues where I need to go Mm -hmm. to be right in the middle of that provision. I remember a few years ago, I was in the kitchen with my kids and they were older because my kids were, one was in high school and the other two were in college. So they were older at the time, but we kept going through so many financial fears and scares, Mm -hmm. you know, things that were, was going to happen. And, but God just kept coming through and through and through. And finally it was like, 
good gracious, this is incredible. And then one day something amazing happened. Like, I don't know if money showed up out of nowhere or some bill got taken care of. I don't remember what it was, but we kind of all started laughing. And I said, I can't even wait to see what God does next. So Mm -hmm. it just created this sense of excitement in us, like this whole newfound trust that God will provide. Yeah. So it just really created a huge sense of relief that we didn't have to keep fearing. We didn't have to keep being worried and fretting and losing sleep all night about whether or not God was going to, because he said that he would. Yeah. And, and he did time and time again. Well, and I've seen the balance in those things too, where sometimes, you know, we're, we're often told, you know, talking about God helps people who help themselves. And that's totally not the truth, (laughs) you know, but there's a a blend there between where is my responsibility to go out and do something and make something happen? And where is God maybe just going to drop something on me? And I feel like we have to be open to both that there will be those times. And I've had them too, where a check just shows up in the mailbox that you had no idea. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I've seen where, you know, I had to go after this Avenue, this Avenue, this Avenue, and all of the things that I tried didn't work, but because I didn't give up, God eventually led me to the thing that got me to the right answer. So it's kind of like, I think sometimes we're sort of like, which one's it going to be? And it's like, well, it could be either one of them. And so you just go about your, your business of doing the things that that you think, you know, God's leading you towards. And then don't take failure though, as a, like, I need to stop unless it's obvious that he's telling you to stop. It may just be that you need to try something else. Now, as far as, you know, we're talking a little bit about fears and we're talking about, you know, trauma, we're talking about grieving, these kind of things. And I have to admit, sometimes it gets to be like, this is a safe place, like safe for me to just kind of feel yucky. And Moving forward, though, means I have to accept my circumstance, means I have to accept something that feels like defeat, accept something I don't want to accept because it means that it's the truth. (laughs) And I want to know if you would share a little bit about how you were able to move from some of these more difficult places to a spot where you're able to accept your story and move on with that. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, in my personal situation, once my husband left, there was very little contact for many, many months. And then once six months, a year, a year and a half, you know, had gone by and with very little contact, regardless of how many attempts, you know, or how many promises were made or what have you, there comes a point when you realize, you know, this is my life too. (laughs) And so you Mm want to live life to the fullest. We only get one life. And like I said earlier, you get tired of being sick and tired and wishing that someone would, would come back or wishing your family was different. And you just really have to take control of your own life. And there were also ways that I realized that in many ways it was a relief, although it was heartbreaking that this had been a situation that had been going on for quite some time, which was not healthy for me. And I Mm -hmm. don't think it was in the best interest in my case to reconcile. Mm -hmm. Although I was willing and I had Mm -hmm. biblical background, biblical reasons why it was okay to divorce. But I think we just need to, at, at some point, we do need to accept that's the final stage of the grieving process is acceptance. We can either stay in that grief and that anger and that depression and that bargaining and sadness, or we can accept that this is where God has us. You know, we can, we can't, I've heard the phrase that you can't live the next chapter of your life if you're always reading the last chapter. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. at some point you have to turn the page and start living the next chapter. 
And at that point, it's going to be different for different people. But I did finally come to the point to where I want to move forward with my life and not stay stuck here in the middle where I don't know where, you know, where I'm supposed to be. I've got to choose one, but it takes two people to want to save a marriage. And if the other person does not want to, then I feel like God is releasing you to move forward. Mm -hmm. But you do at some point need to come to the acceptance that that relationship has ended, but your life has not ended. God knew you were going to be here. He has a purpose for your pain. He has a future waiting for you. And there's still lots of life to live. And we can learn to love life again, even if it's not the life that we thought we were going to have. As you went through that process of accepting and you know seeing some of this transformative work in your own life, what were some of the things that you felt were the most transformative in your healing? Well, I went through the stages, like you were saying, of being ashamed. I was super ashamed because I wondered, well, what's everyone thinking? Am I a terrible person? Am I a terrible wife? You know, was I not good enough for my husband? So we, we go through that and certainly didn't want to go to church anymore. Stopped that altogether. Mm. <laughs> didn't want to go sit in the pew where I'd been sitting for 20 years with my husband and family yeah. and having served, you know, in an international women's ministry with kind of a, a public face, I guess, with writing devotions and things like that. I I was sure that I needed to just step out of the ministry because God would never want me to keep serving ministry with, with, you know, everything that I had going on. So it took a process of really a lot of support from my Christian friends. They would send me text messages. They would send me emails. They would, Mm -hmm. you know, just take me out to lunch just to support me and encourage me. But over time, I realized that as God has done so many times with other difficult things that I've gone through, that he has used my experience to give me words to write or to speak if I was at a speaking mm-hmm. event to really help other women heal, yeah. that he could use this too. Mm-hmm. So it's not a topic I ever planned on writing on. Certainly right. didn't want that to be my story. Right. <laughs> but knowing that he can use all things for good, and we don't like to think that. We don't mm-hmm. like to think that God lets something bad happen to us so that we can help somebody else, you know, feel better, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it also helps us feel better. So we're going to go through trials. So what a blessing it is to know that if we have to go through them, that God can use them for something good. So just being able to, to write and to speak and to help other women helps in my process, whether you're helping one woman at church that you're sitting beside or your neighbor or you're writing a book, it doesn't matter. You have a blog, Mm -hmm. a social media post that you post about something, you know, it doesn't matter what platform you're using to share your story. If God can use that, then that's, that's part of helping you transform, you know, what the devil meant for good into something. Mm -hmm. I mean, what the devil meant for bad into something that God can use for good. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I think it's interesting that you said that too, because I think about, you know, prior to this, how much did I care about abuse or, divorce or single mom type issues. Like, no, not at all. I didn't pay any attention to these kind of things because it didn't affect me. And how funny I think it is that God would say, I actually want to make you now into an advocate (laughs) in this area. (laughs) Yeah. And just something that you just never even had your eyeball on. I'm going to put you right into that space, but how Mm -hmm. he softens us and we in our pain receive so much comfort And then we see the pain in other people. And I feel so much more connected to this particular, especially this particular community of women, but just people's pain in general now and start to have the ability to 
see people in the way that God sees them in a way I Mm -hmm. never would have had I not gone through this. And there's just this beautiful back and forth of God showing me things in myself, showing me things in other people, showing himself in all of that. And it's just, it's incredible. And it makes me have the ability to look at terrible circumstances and go, but if this is what I had to go through to understand the true heart of God, Mm -hmm. okay, I understand. I understand now. Yeah. yeah, so many people are looking for their purpose in life. You know, they're just searching. What is my purpose in life? What? Why? What can I do? Why? Why do I matter? Why am I here? Well, so often our purpose is found in our pain mm-hmm. and what we've been through. We don't have to go out and search for some big, huge thing that's going to make us famous or, you know, just be something that's going to get a lot of accolades. Our purpose can come directly from what we've been through because that's what that's where we get the passion and the the compassion to want to help other people. And our purpose should be to bring others to the heart of Christ and to help them and to help them get through the hard times that they're in. And when we've been in their shoes, we can do that even better. So that's, I I really believe that pain is a a groundwork for finding where our purpose is. I 100% agree with you. And as you said, I mean, you were writing books in the middle of this process and that was how God was helping yank you out of places where you were may have gotten stuck otherwise. Mm-hmm. And similarly, I started blogging, I started writing and, and that kind of thing. And it was so healing for me. And even though I'm approaching this, like, oh, I'm going to help somebody else. Like <laughs> it was really something that God used to, to put the work in on me. Yeah. And yeah. When you're going to, through it, you're not thinking about, I want to help that person. You're like, oh my God, somebody help me. <laughs> Somebody help me. Oh, wow. You know, and it's just, uh, I I think though that transformation, that process, you know, as we're talking about, it starts with the processing. It starts with the accepting. It starts with Mm -hmm. some of the stuff that we don't really love, but over time we can see the purpose in it. And then we have the ability to look at the future and not be scared, not be stuck underneath you know, the, the uncertain that we actually could become people like myself who hated the uncertain and now learn to embrace the uncertain and the unknown. Was there something in yourself that, you know, perhaps from the past that you were maybe one way about things. And then this process has kind of shifted you as a woman into something different. I think it's opened my mind uh, a little bit to not be, I think as Christians, especially, you know, because I grew up in the church, wanted my children to grow up in the church, which they did. And we were in church every time the doors opened. And so I believe everything the Bible says is true 100%. But I also think we can get so caught up in our bubble of Christianity and our beliefs that we don't think we don't have a compassion for other people that think differently, live differently, have different sins. And I think it's opened my eyes a little bit. So I'm not quite mm-hmm. as judgmental as I once was. I'm more open to other people's opinions. And I think I used to, you know, you don't understand till you don't understand. You don't understand things until you understand things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess I that's that. what I'm trying to get at. So yeah. it just, it's a, I think we just grow, you know, you yeah. grow as you get older, you grow th- when you go through experiences and I can look back because my kids will say, I can't believe you're thinking that way because you taught me my whole life that that wasn't right. And I'm like, yeah, but now I can see kind of the other side of how that person might be feeling or Mm -hmm. what what the other, you know, not 
argument, but what the other opinion of that might be. And so that's why, you know, it just gives you a different way to approach things yeah. and you're not so hard, fast stuck in your rules that you can't allow, you can't let yourself love other people despite mm-hmm. what, if they don't believe exactly like you. Yeah. Yeah. It just gives you more compassion for others, I think, because you needed it from other, like I needed it from other people who didn't understand what I was going through, who sat and made judgments about you shouldn't get divorced because mm-hmm. of blah, blah, blah. They have no idea what's yes. happening. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what, you know, our family is going through. And then I had one person actually say, I don't know if I can be your friend anymore because you're mm-hmm. going to be single now. And I can't, I'm married, so I can't be friends with single people. And so that was crushing to me because she was yeah. attaching my value to yeah my marital status. Mm-hmm. And so I just want to be so careful not to do that and not, and just to love people for who they are and not attach anything else to, you know, whether I think they're valuable enough to, to be, to love them or to be a friend or to support them or whatever. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that too, because there are, there's some things that are just kind of part of the fallout of something like this. And you do lose friends. Mm-hmm. You do have people that walk away from you that don't yeah. understand and yet at the same time, while that hurts really badly, there's a unity that does come. That's the one thing we all have in common is we have pain. <laughs> we <Yeah. laughs> all have that. And I think that's the thing that I've really come to embrace in this is the pain and the brokenness. When I'm okay with understanding that I have it and other people have it, then mm-hmm. it's like, well, let's just link up arms. Let's do this. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like let's move, move forward and tell yeah. me about your journey. Tell me about yourself. And you know, I'll tell you about me too. And it's just such a great way to build unity within the body and to bring people into the fold of that. And it's interesting to me though, how it's not without loss. It's not without pain. And Mm -hmm. I think that sometimes the divorce is enough and we feel like we're losing so much more, but in the midst of it, God has a new purpose and a new community and a new environment for us to spread our wings in and to become something different. Mm-hmm. Tracy, I've so appreciated your just your transparency about the things that you've gone through and the things you've experienced. I think that it's really healing when we can hear our journey right. similarly <laughs> reflected in what somebody else has to say. Yeah. I want to know at the end of every interview, I ask the guests the same question. And if there was just one thing that you would want a single mom to know, what would it be? I think I would say to number one thing positive, like I've already said, because that's, that's going to decide whether you're happy or not, because we, we really do choose our own happiness. We can decide whether we're going to be doom and gloom or whether we're going to be happy. But I also have committed to myself to love my life, no matter what it looks like. Hmm. And it's hard being single and it's hard being a single mom, whether your kids are in diapers or whether they're in college or whether they have grandkids, it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. what season of life. It's still single. It's still hard to be single, but there's so much to love about life. And we all only have one life to live. And so we can enjoy it or we can worry about what's happened in the past and let our minds constantly go back there. So live for the moment, live in the present, enjoy the life God has given you right now. That's good. I'm receiving that. (laughs) I need that (laughs) reminder constantly. (laughs) Would you tell us a little bit more if there's a listener who wants to keep in touch with you and learn about your book and, you know, those types of things, how can listeners follow along with you? Yeah. My most recent book is Living Unbroken, Reclaiming Your Life and Your Heart After Divorce. It's available on Amazon at the Proverbs 31 bookstore, all retailers online, maybe in some 
uh, brick and mortar stores. You never know where they are these days. Mm-hmm. Um, my blog is tracymiles.com and I'm on all the social media platforms. Awesome. And I will have links to those in the show notes to make it easier for people to find you. But thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me. Tracy's book, Living Unbroken, Reclaiming Your Life and Your Heart After Divorce is now available. And I will have a link to that in the show notes. As we wrap up today's episode, I do want to point out a couple of resources available in the show notes. The first is our private Facebook group, Beloved Collective. Going through the issues and things that we're dealing with as single moms in community is so valuable. And so if you'd like to join the Facebook group, all you have to do is search for Agape Moms on Facebook at Agape Moms, and then click on the groups tab there and submit a request to join the group. Likewise, if you'd like to follow along with Agape Moms on Instagram, you can search for us at Agape Moms. Additionally, I now have a weekly video guided scripture meditation available for every episode of the podcast. And if you subscribe to the Agape Moms YouTube channel, you will receive notifications when those videos become available. And it's just a great way to start off your day with some encouragement from God's word and apply some of the things that we're learning here on the podcast. I also want to thank you for your subscriptions, your rankings, your reviews. It's so encouraging to me to see what God is doing in your life and to see Him on the move, but it also helps other women to be drawn in to just what God has for them here as well. And as you move through the rest of your day or your evening, I just pray that you would know that you are seen and you are beloved.